Now I'm looking at pictures of raccoons. Taxidermy is so creepy and weird, Hannah. I know. You better believe I've seen a lot of taxidermy. Hello and welcome to the Cut the Cord podcast episode 29. I'm Chris and I'm joined by some other streaming media nerds. Ryan. Hello. And Hannah. Hi. Together we take on television for those who have cast off the tyranny of their local cable providers, and each week we gather here to find a great show to watch from the often overwhelming variety. Then we review the prior week's election, and we pick a new show and do it all over again. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. This week's show is a Netflix original, American Vandal, and our companion song is Teenagers by My Chemical Romance. Let's take a listen. The boys and girls in the clique, the awful names at the stick, you never gonna fit in much kid but if you're troubled and hurt what you got under your shirt will make them pay for the things that they did they said I love that song. I had forgotten about that one, but yeah, it's perfect for this. American Vandal was written by Dan Perrault, who is part of the Honest Trailers team, the YouTube series Honest Trailers, and it was directed by Tony Ascenda, who is a writer for College Humor. American Vandal is starring Tyler Alvarez as Peter Maldonado and Jimmy Tatro as Dylan Maxwell as the main roles. And in the supporting roles, we have Camille Hyde as Gabby Granger, Camille Ramsey as Mackenzie Wagner, and Callum Worthy as Alex Tromboli and G. Hanelius as Krista Carlisle and Saxon Charbino as Sarah Pearson. Wow, that's an interesting name for a girl. <laughs> Saxon. So true crime has been a popular genre recently, and especially with the Netflix original series, such as Making a Murder and The Confession Tapes, which we reviewed last week. So it's only natural that true crime satires are starting to come out, and Netflix is once again leading the charge with American Vandal. The show is shot as a documentary, being produced by the aspiring student documenter Peter Maldonado, as he investigates the case of 27 days. 27 dicks that were spray painted on the teacher's <laughs> cars of his high school and whether the student punished for this offense dylan maxwell is truly guilty <laughs> they say dick a lot in the show and it's great i love it yeah they, they do. do i laugh my ass <laughs> off watching this there's much discussion of how to draw the head of a penis and ball <laughs> hairs and Peter Maldonado blurts ball hairs all the time and talks about the ball hairs with various mm-hmm. authority figures. <laughs> ball hairs yeah i like how they would show the drawings of the dicks and they would have the outline of it showing the vital differences in the drawing oh yeah from one to the next i love how seriously they treat it (laughs) yeah and then how they blur it out in the tv the footage of the tv broadcast oh when the the news (laughs) is showing it yeah yeah you just can't even see it it's just like reporting to you live from this parking lot It's just a blur on every car. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so this is a mockumentary, which is a word that I learned this week. So it's a shot as a documentary, but it's a satire. It's comedy, obviously. Yeah, very much like Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman. This is Spinal Tap. Those are all mockumentaries. Oh, I still need to watch that one. That one's supposed to be really good. Smell the glove. It's really good. (laughs) 
And what I think makes those a little different than like your Wayne's Brothers satires is these actually stand on their own as their own movies. Like they have their own coherent plot and are actually interesting and compelling. I knew this show had me when in like the first episode, I was genuinely wondering who did it, you know, and I had like my theories throughout the whole thing and I was captivated by it. I was laughing the whole time, but it is actually a really interesting little case that they present. Yeah. And your opinion keeps changing throughout the series. You're like, oh, it was this teacher who did it. No, no, it was this guy. No, it was that girl. I was pretty convinced that uh, Alex Tromboli was a total douche until the end. And then I felt a little sympathy for him. Not much, but a little. Well, I thought for a while Alex Tromboli had done it. And then they addressed that. I think he's a bit of the red herring. Like he's the guy that you want to hate and that you want to be the one who actually did it. Yeah. At least for a certain extent. I got an HJ from this one girl. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. That's a really terrible rumor to spread. Sarah Pearson? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love that they treat it like forensic files and stuff where they have like the recreated crime scenes and all that in like 3D models and everything. (laughs) The 3D model of the handjob on the dock. Oh my god. (laughs) And that was my favorite one of this nice little lake with a dock and a girl giving him a handjob in 3D models just recreated to see if it had happened or not. Oh, it's wonderful. I also liked when Gabby and them were trying to figure out where you could see it from on the dock. So they're trying to position themselves in the right way. And she's like making yeah. the hand motion. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam turns around and cheeses. Yeah, it's really funny and awkward. <laughs> yeah. And then the plot thickens. He really likes her. Oh, <laughs> so sad. I'm sure that must have been an exciting moment for him. In the traditional style of investigative shows like Forensic Files and all that, they kind of do a lot of interviews with people. They start out interviewing the primary suspect of Maxwell and they interview all the other witnesses and everything. So you get like these really nice, serious, intense conversations like you do in all those other shows, except they're just talking about dick spray painted on cars and getting a hand job down by the lake. <laughs> I also (laughs) like when they're recording the B-roll for those like dramatic close-ups and Dylan's like, what are we doing? And he's like, just stare at the camera or off into space. We're getting footage. He's like, this is dumb. (laughs) But it looks really good and dramatic. Oh, yeah. Like, wow, these kids did a really great job. Yeah, they're pretty good documenters, you know? Their cameraman is good and their editor. (laughs) I'm the documentarian? What? Uh, Yeah. I'm the guy doing the documentary. Uh, Okay. Yeah, at one point they call Dylan's lawyer and talk to him about, you definitely shouldn't do that. That's a terrible idea. (laughs) So, I mean, he just really gets into the underbelly of this high school and they just lay out everybody's Mm -hmm. secrets and their personal business and it's pretty invasive. It is, Mm -hmm. but it's a really compelling and I think accurate portrayal of what high school is like. Oh, geez. Yeah, they have a lot of interesting teachers in there. You know, it feels very real like that. It feels like a very real high school. I think they do a really good job of that. And I think that's what helps make the satire stick. There's like the quiet one that's really strict about cell phones, the cool coach, the teacher who tries to be cool and is just overshares way too much. Even including the creepy dude teacher who has no boundaries. <laughs> oh, the history teacher? <laughs> 
the teacher that everyone yeah. loves, the Spanish teacher that ends up uh, mm-hmm. accusing oh, Dylan yeah. and kind of leading the, not exactly witch hunt, but the prosecution against him. Yeah. There aren't really very clearly defined heroes or villains in this. Everyone is really complex. Surprisingly so, yeah. As you learn more, <laughs> you know, your opinions of people change. You know, there are moments in the show that are really insightful and, and good. It's not just dicks. There are a lot of them, 27 to be exact, but... There's a lot of dicks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're gonna see dick drawings and analysis of dick drawings and a lot of really good detective work. But yeah, like you start out thinking that <laughs> Dylan is just this, you know, complete jerk and, you know, he probably did it and is just trying to get out of it. And then, you know, there are parts in there where you really feel for the guy and you really sympathize with him. And he's actually a pretty complex character by the end. It's nice. His and Mackenzie's relationship is also really interesting, the Mm -hmm. way that it plays out and what you learn about it. And about her. Yeah, she's his, like, gamer girlfriend who streams on Twitch and all that stuff. I mean, is sort of also acting as his primary alibi for the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, and you also find out a lot about her family that's going through the divorce and how she reacts to that and their relationship of always breaking up and then something dramatic happens to bring them back together and that's a major plot point throughout it yep it's interesting does a lot of things for attention from her does a lot of things for attention in general i mean one of the reasons that he's the main suspect is that he has a youtube channel of him and his buddies just going around doing pranks on other people like uh farting on babies and (laughs) being trees dressed as nuns I genuinely laughed at that one. The baby farting was pretty funny, I gotta say. There are so many of those terrible prank channels. I would be really pissed if somebody (laughs) farted on my baby, though. Like, only I get to fart on my baby, okay? Nobody else. (laughs) You are the one that farts. I am the baby farter. (laughs) I am the one who farts. I like too when they use like the old footage of them as like children that like they do in a lot of like true crime documentaries where it's supposed to be oh, really yeah. like insightful to their character. Where it's just him like laughing at people falling off their skateboards and like doing like fart videos <laughs> even at a young age so you can see his evolution. Yeah. The evolution of the artist. <laughs> From simply farting on camera to farting on babies on camera. That's an evolution. That's something. You know, there's some surprising social commentary throughout. Like, how do we view people and how do our assumptions about them affect them? I mean, and you were talking about, too, the way that some of the girls, there's like sexual history mm-hmm. is talked about and evidence and who's lying about what, you know, like a major plot point in this is this supposed hand job that the uh, prime witness got and they think that he's lying about it. And if he lies about that, then how can he be trustworthy? So there's investigations and computer simulations and gotcha interviews and all kinds of investigation of chat logs, like how many Y's <laughs> are in hay and what that means. Hey. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me that two Y's on a hey means we want to fuck, but... Yeah, like, she uh, confronts him at some point and tells him about how, like, her dad saw that video of, and, like, exposing all of her encounters and trysts and things, and it's actually made things really difficult for her. And he kind of realizes that, oh, you know, this stuff does actually have real-world consequences whenever you just, like, dig up as much about everyone as you can. But, like, also, Sarah's dad, why didn't you just like oh they're talking a lot about my daughter's sexual history in this show i'm just gonna not watch it i guess it depends on the parent well and i mean and then you also find out later on though that when people when action is actually needed like when someone needs to spring into action she is the one who does it you know she's not totally vapid and useless she actually 
does manage to save some people's lives, too. She says, Ming, man, Ming was awesome, man. I was so glad that Ming was okay. Ming was the man. Ming is the kind of person that may not be super cool in high school, but is going to be fucking awesome later on. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If he gets that drinking under control, geez. He just went too far. Now he knows his limit. It's like, if I drink this many, I die. So scale it back from there. (laughs) Uh, okay. I think every high school has that epic party like they had at Nana's house where things just get crazy. (laughs) (laughs) there's just drinking and people being thrown in pools oh yeah nana's house Mm -hmm. oh hannah got so mad when they started throwing the plates in the pool it's like now you're just breaking stuff i know (laughs) now that's fucked up like who does that like every high school party ever you know i see in these movies where they people have these parties that just totally wreck shit and i don't know i mean i guess maybe i just hung out with better people or something nerds because we weren't just blindly destructive i don't know like it wouldn't occur to me or any of my friends like yeah just throw some plates outside you know whatever blind destruction and vandalism is part of high school parties and drinking it absolutely is i mean i threw a trombone off of the drum major tower so i don't really have anything to dispute what the fuck maybe this is a dude thing i don't know i mean to be fair the trombone was already broken okay see that's different you're saying that like you're just some badass who just climbed up there with a trombone and just fucked it up but no it was already broken the words badass and trombone have never been used in a sentence together before that's definitely not true (laughs) that's not true (laughs) trombones think very highly of themselves so that has absolutely been used together in a sentence mostly self-descriptive okay by non-trombonists yeah or the girls who constantly crush on trombonists I was kind of talking earlier about what makes this actually good parody. And I think a good part of that Mm -hmm. is that this does stand on its own, that it has a coherent narrative. The characters are rich and complex. It's funny, really funny. Bad parody will take a scene from a movie or TV show and basically play it out. But someone will fall over and fart and maybe there'll be a ghost or something. Yeah, Like it's not actually saying anything about the scenes. (laughs) You're thinking about the scary movie parody. Yes, because they don't actually say anything about the subject matter. They're just kind of replaying, like, remember this? And then there's a fart. You know, it's like, that's not really that insightful. Or they just mash it together with, like, other pop culture references. It's like, yeah, remember 300? Oh, now Britney Spears is here being all crazy, and we're going to kick her in the pit. Yeah, that was uh, Meet the Spartans. That was a real scene. So it's like you're just cramming some random pop culture references in there just for a cheap laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's bad parody. Did you watch that movie? I unfortunately did. I was going on a date and we went to the movie theater without like any plan of what we were going to see. And there was like nothing good playing. Meet the Spartans was the only thing that sounded even remotely good. And it was awful. We need to sit down and watch This is Spinal Tap. (laughs) Best in Show is also very good for a good satire mockumentary as well. Oh, yes. If you like crazy dog people, it's pretty darn good. Christopher Guest. Oh, he also directed This is Spinal Tap. Yeah, he did all of those mockumentaries. That's his jam. That's his shtick. 
Yeah. That's where he plays and lives. So if you know a lot of actors or improv people or things like that, Waiting for Government's pretty funny too. Yeah, so do you guys have any like criticisms of American Vandal? Honestly, I don't. It gave me everything that I was looking for. First of all, I wanted to laugh and I laughed continuously throughout this. The jokes are both highbrow and lowbrow. Right. Obviously, you get tons of dick jokes, but then you also get situations mm-hmm. that play out and are just kind of inherently awkward and funny. And not only did I laugh, which is pretty much all I was expecting, I got a really compelling case to watch. I got really interesting characters, plot twists that surprised me. It delivered far more than it needed to me. I just really felt like it dragged toward the middle of the season. Like it was just kind of like, oh man, like there's more? Like what else is happening? And then, you know, it delivers some twists and stuff. And obviously I kept watching. It's compelling. But there were a couple of points where I was pulled out of the marathon watch. Yeah, I think like the first two episodes and the last two episodes were kind of the strongest. But in the middle, there were, I feel like one episode maybe could have been cut and it still would have been fine. Yeah, but I can't really put my finger on what they could have cut out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I watched a single episode of this, just a single episode. I think every time I sat down to watch this, I watched Mm -hmm. multiple episodes because it was really compelling and funny. And I also appreciate that the ending doesn't wrap everything up in like a neat and tidy bow. That they have like a kind of like a self-reflective part where now there's all this doubt where you know who definitely did not do it but you still don't know who did it and then he's like i have my theories but i've seen what happens from false accusations without evidence so kind of leaves you with that kind of sitting in that doubt yeah the ending is kind of surprisingly down yeah i don't think anyone really has very much of a happy ending in this like you just feel so bad for dylan by the end of it they ask a question at the beginning of it who do you picture who would draw 27 dicks you know in a parking lot like what do they look like what kind of person are they i mean i don't want to spoil it but i think that they answer that question in a really interesting way yeah you find out things about dylan that are true to his character but not necessarily true to the acts that were committed which is really interesting and i did also appreciate too throughout the whole thing that he was like i didn't do it it's funny as hell i wish i had thought of it you know but i didn't (laughs) really doesn't make him look any less guilty at least he didn't try to like be like oh no i'm just an innocent good boy like why would i do something like that (laughs) yeah he's pretty honest to himself you know that's admirable (laughs) and then i think he does actually learn a little bit more about himself as it goes on because throughout the documentary there's all these students saying that he's kind of a fuck up and an idiot and they never trust anything he says and he's actually watching this and seeing all these people and he has this realization like maybe i am kind of a fuck up you know and i should do something about <laughs> yeah, that and these people are not my friends like they don't think i'm yeah. cool because of all the ridiculous things i do right they just think i'm a joke oh poor guy although the Wayback boys are a bunch of idiots they are really good friends though yeah that's true all his friends the Wayback boys are they are true bros yeah. absolutely even the mm-hmm. one who's not a bro she's still a bro <laughs> <laughs> Still, bro. <laughs> she can hang. She's cool. Think she was ganj. Ganj, yeah, ganj. They smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> they do smoke a lot of weed. They like, definitely do. He just do. openly had bongs in his room. Like, I mean, I know some people oh, have yeah. that kind of relationship with their parents, but that still like doesn't fail to shock. What is it they call the breakfast blunts? Yeah, there's totally a video of them like smoking on camera in the documentary. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's really good. I think it's pretty funny and a pretty good documentary. If you like true crime. You'll appreciate this a lot. It's a good palate cleanser. I agree. Yeah, definitely good after all the downers lately. There's not really a lot of body horror that's good. Not really, although the computer animation of the hand job on the dock is pretty scarring. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> not for the same reasons. That was amazing. I love that. <laughs> Towards the end where you start finding stuff out about the football coach, that hits yeah. pretty hard a lot of that stuff that happens. The stuff with the girl who's trying out to be like the kicker on the football team and how she's treated. Mm-hmm. And then the person who vandalizes his office. Oh, yeah. I love how she just instantly shatters his assumptions about her whenever he goes and interviews her. She's like, oh, you were just doing this as a like a diversity thing or whatever, just to make a statement. She's like, oh, no, I was state soccer. I wanted to be the kicker. Yeah, I wanted to compete. Like, it wasn't just I'm a feminist and this is my job to try out for the football team. Everyone is far more complex than you originally think. Like, she's kind of the activist student body class president. But then as it goes on you learn a lot of things about her just like you learn about everyone in this like i don't think anyone is just what they appear to be like even the wayback boys you find out things about them that make them more interesting as characters they're probably the least developed and i think ming like he's kept kind of intentionally vague but i love that he's friends with dylan but he's like dylan is super racist because he like assumes that he's from china <laughs> and doesn't speak english but he's from vancouver yeah, and then he's good at math <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. It's like, oh, Dylan, he's always nice to me, but man, he is super racist. Oh, that's pretty funny. Or they're talking about how they had to copy off somebody and they show like the yearbook picture of the Asian kid they copied off of. And they're like, he looks like he's smart, but he's not. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Why does he look like he's smart? Because he's Asian? Yeah, exactly. 100%. That's why he looks (laughs) smart to them. So, you know, the thing where dudes like draw dicks on everything, or at least dudes of a certain age. Yes. That's a phase that a lot of guys go through. Yeah. Draw dicks on everything. Yeah, I mean, I drew my fair share of dicks on things because I was trying to hang, so. (laughs) And then, you know, I was awakened as a feminist, so I started drawing vages on things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, man. Didn't he start, like, having a fan club at one point and people were sending him dick drawings and then vag drawings? (laughs) That was great, him showing off the vag drawings. Oh, that was amazing. (laughs) Some of those drawings were really weird. Like, have you even (laughs) seen one? Like, There was one high school kid who's like kind of like the fat nerd and he's on everyone's hookup list. (laughs) They're like, how did this happen? Yeah. It's like, what? (laughs) All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, wasn't he the cameraman? Yeah. He was on the news crew. And so they just kind of like turned to him and they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny. I did like that. So what's the weirdest graffito that you have ever seen i mean obviously it's not gonna top 27 dicks but graffito yes what the fuck is graffito singular of graffiti because graffiti is oh my god like i'm sorry i know words (laughs) did all this grammar help you hang with the boys (laughs) this is not how you hang hannah No, no, it really didn't. Actually, my fifth grade teacher told me if I kept using such big words that boys won't like me. So, oh, now I feel sad. <laughs> um, I think probably the most memorable graffiti I saw was when I was in grade school and someone drew a Judas Priest drawing in our carport and I wasn't allowed to look at it. What? It was just the Judas Priest logo, okay. but it was so like, you know, that's bad and evil. So I, that really stuck out in my mind and oh okay made me immediately go listen to every Jesus priest song i could yeah <laughs> seriously <laughs> and i've been to four of their concerts and they're the greatest live band i've ever seen but it made a big impression <laughs> in me my the attempt to keep me away from the devil music uh-oh <laughs> 
then there was also a time when I was working in Oakland, in the city center of Oakland, which is probably way nicer than what you have in your mind when you think of Oakland. And there were all these like inspirational chalk drawings on the sidewalk leading from BART like into the business district every day that changed, which was just surreal yeah. and weird. Yeah. I have photos of them on my phone because hmm. they were, it was just very weird. Weird enough. Yeah. So those are my, I guess my two really weird graffiti is uh, the devil himself, <laughs> apparently, and really <laughs> inspirational chalk drawings in inner city Oakland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was somebody that right. was posting like inspirational memes around town when I was, I think it was in graduate school and everybody liked them except this one like stick in the mud asshole girl. And she was like, I think it's dumb. We probably should also mention Amanda couldn't be here, but she did mention the viral marketing campaign for American Vandal that had like stickers of dicks on people's cars that she encountered. They're magnet. So it's even more thoughtful than that. You know, it's not permanent. Dude, I really want one now. What about you, Chris? What's the weirdest graffiti that you've seen? I'm not going to use your fancy word. There wasn't much around where I was growing up. I grew up in a nice <laughs> suburb, so we didn't have a whole lot of graffiti. Oh. But when I went to college, oh, what was it that was on the back of that one bar off of Fry Street? I think it would had like, it was just, it was very artistic. So it was right next to the art school. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a woman and her hair like turned into a whale or something like that. And it was very, very striking. So I walked by that pretty frequently. And so that's one that I re- sticks out in my mind the most. Yeah, I can remember a couple of times being in like women's rooms. So you kind of expect like people generally kind of just insult the person who just did the graffiti before they did, you know, like that's kind of a thing. But then this one was oh, yeah. like, so and so was a dick. And then somebody else like scrawled like, he didn't deserve you anyway, girl. And then like, just all this encouragement followed. And I was just like, sitting there peeing drunk in a bar. And I'm like, I feel so empowered right now like wow women's restrooms are (laughs) totally different than men's restrooms yeah well i mean usually it's not that way it's like middle school dances like there's always somebody crying in the bathroom you know and so like the girls will show out and we will support we've got your back we've got a tampon you need a tampon someone's gonna offer a tampon you know what i mean like your hair looks great like oh my god that dress looks so hot on you you know like it's great drunk girls are the best Yeah, drunk guys are not the best (laughs) to each other. Yeah, they pee all over everything. Uh... Vandalism, I may or may not have uh, seen or been party to mailboxes being peed in during drunken rampages. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, what? I'm telling you, things get crazy when you add alcohol in teenage boys, allegedly. Uh, And tall teenage boys. (laughs) Oh, you got to stand on one guy's shoulders. How tall do you think a mailbox is? They're a little bit higher than waist height. Tiptoes, allegedly. I guess you just lean back and arc it in. That's how you do it. There you go. That's true. That's... (laughs) (laughs) This is not something I wanted to think about today. (laughs) If the party goes right, that's how the night ends. Ew. (laughs) Hopefully my next party does not turn out that way. Like, I'm too old for that shit. (laughs) This only applies to high school. If you're over, like, 22 and that's how your night ends... Something went tragically wrong. 
Yeah, you have a problem at that point. <laughs> I don't know, man. The weirdest offensive graffiti that I've ever seen was it was in this grungy old movie theater. Like, you know, when movie theaters get past their prime and everything is sticky. Yeah. That kind of place, the Brontex. Somebody had scrawled hell to ya on a door in the bathroom. And I thought, I don't know, I was like in the third grade, fourth grade, and I thought that was great. So I wrote a really mean note to a girl, which got intercepted by the teacher, of course, and I wrote that on there. <laughs> and then my parents <laughs> end up with the note and they're like, where did you see that? And then I told them where it was from. And then their response was, so it was written on a bathroom stall as graffiti and you thought it would be good to write that down somewhere else. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Because I knew it was really mean. And I was really <laughs> mad at her. Yeah. You were trying to insult somebody. Yeah, I was trying to be mean. I knew that was mean. Yeah, I follow that kid logic. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense. It's an effective message. Four words, but it gets the message right across. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell to yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember also in grade school when people started learning how to swear that they would also write <laughs> bad words. Completely out of context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> That works in almost every situation. Yeah, my parents were really weird with that kind of stuff. For me, it was metal was like really, really bad. Like the Judas Priest logo, that was like instant. Don't even walk over to that side of the car park. A friend of mine had a Twisted Sister poster in his room and I wasn't allowed to go over there anymore. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. But other than that, completely irresponsible. So weird. Completely irresponsible. That sounds really weird. (laughs) It is. It's like they have certain things that they're like, wait, metal is bad. After hearing some people's stories about their parents and being freaked out about D&D and metal and stuff, I'm like, wow, my parents were surprisingly chill. (laughs) I think your dad would have been thrilled if you had taken up D&D. Oh, yeah. He did elbowed his way into my teenage D&D game ended up being our dm or something (laughs) like he was not pleased when i wanted to start reading comic books really really Mm -hmm. yeah he was like you know what for every one comic book you want i'll buy you two real books oh he thought they weren't real books i see yeah he didn't think that they were real books and thought that they were a waste of time but now i got him reading comics so yeah (laughs) who won that one dad point (laughs) hannah Alright, are we ready to, to rate this thing? Yeah, I think we're ready to rate it. I think I will give American Vandal four lakeside hand jobs out of five. Oh, you stole what I was gonna use. <laughs> I'm not surprised that both of you wanted to use that one. <laughs> Is that like the dream? Is that your teenage dude dream? An HJ from a pretty girl? I mean, when I was like 14 or 15, yeah, that was absolutely the dream. Yeah, pretty much. What about like actual sex though? Let's not shoot for the stars here. That was just so, like, unobtainable. It's like, that was never going to happen. But a hand job, that's possible. I'm going to stay in the same level of maturity, and I will give it four and a half ball hairs. <laughs> ball hairs are important, man. I'm going to give it four, your mom is really hot. Because <laughs> Mrs. Maldonado, apparently, super hot. She is the number one hot mom at the school. According to his best friend. And I'm pretty sure that was just to annoy Peter. Well, I mean, that ranking absolutely exists in school, so. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Teachers, 
parents. There's a list for every, you know, subgroup. Girls in each class, whatever. So should I watch that? I would say yes, especially if you're a fan of true crime. I would say yes, even if you're not. It's funny on its own. Yeah, it's just funny on its own. It's good. Yeah, it goes up if you like true crime, but even without it, it's hilarious. I agree. So three yeses. If you are or have ever been a teenager. (laughs) Now, if you're 12 years old, you should not watch this show. Too many dicks. Way too many. 27 too many. Now, Amanda couldn't be here this week, but it is her turn to pick a show for us. So she has sent us an intergalactic communication letting us know that the next show we're going to watch is Star Trek Discovery. I think it's going to be interesting because some of us are big Star Trek fans and some of us have never seen a Star Trek TV series. So you'll get a good mix of what old fans like and what people completely new to it think of it. So that is where we're going to boldly go next. So that was American Vandal. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcasts, Ford Color Nerds comic book reviews at FordColorNerds.com or our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find them podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back next week for another episode. Until then, keep streaming, nerds.